0: Tonight we have the opportunity and the privilege yeah. of having our lead pastors, Pastors Jonathan Kobler. Yeah. Are not a part of the Living Water family, like you, you attend a different church or you're in a different area. We um, love having you here. Thanks for being here. You are a part of our Living Water young adult family. <laughs> oh, I should have second second thought the evidence. Um, but uh, if you are part of the Living Water family and this is your home church on on Sundays as well, uh, you know how much of a privilege it is for us to get to be at a church. Where these two are leading us. Let's yeah. go. Amen. I mean, it is something. i will Yeah, you can clap. You can tell me. I would, if I lived within an hour and a half of this place, and I didn't work here, I would find my way to this church on Sundays. I'm not kidding. It is such an incredible church, and these leaders are such incredible leaders. And it really is a privilege. It really is a privilege to get to be on your team and be at your church. Yeah. Uh, and we get the privilege tonight of having Pastor John Bonnie here uh, to invest in us. And so if you don't have a home church, I'd love to invite you. There's an incredible thing God is doing in this season in our church at large, uh, not just in the adult community. Uh, Sunday mornings, we've got services 8, 9, 30, 11, 30. Yeah. Um, and just, I would encourage you, come check it out. I know a lot of you do come. How many of you guys come on Sunday mornings? Woo! Good show us. I know some of you live farther away or you have different churches, but if you don't have a home church, I'd love to personally invite you uh, just to get, get to be part what God's doing. So, tonight, welcome to you both. Uh, I'd love for you to take a moment, if you don't mind, just quickly introduce yourselves in maybe how long, there's probably a lot of people here that don't know you, so how long you've been married, uh, how long you've been here pastoring, and that? just a quick kind of intro, and then what we're going to do is dive in to some questions that have been submitted by you all over the last two weeks, anonymous, 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 Nope. Anonymous, anonymous. anonymous. later. Yeah. I'm just gonna, so gonna sum it up. I'm not gonna say And that's been coming in. We've got all of those questions that have already come in. Uh, and that's what we're gonna be asking them tonight. Additionally, uh, I'm gonna put the number and the, the word up on the screen, and as they introduce us that or introduce themselves, you guys can have the number. If you want to submit questions throughout the night, anonymous questions. Uh, We're going to take some time at the end of the night, and after we go through ones you guys have already submitted, we'll try to hit a fire round of some that come in throughout the night. So you can text the word or the letters LWYA to 97000. And you'll get a link, hit that link, and then it'll ask you three questions, name, uh, not name, because that's not anonymous, uh, uh, three questions that you you have to respond to all three, and then if you want to ask four, you just hit that link again, and it'll, it'll, it'll take you through, and then that got that sheet will ask those at the end, a couple of them. Uh, One last piece, because on nights like this, there's so many questions, it's impossible to answer or respond to all of them. So what we did is we scheduled next Thursday night a part two for for the Q&R. So we'll have a different group up here next week uh, responding to more questions, but just want to get into it uh, starting tonight. So welcome to our lead pastor's, Jonathan Kobler. He's throwing a question in. I love that. Quick, quick intro. Who who are you guys to to this group? How long have you been married? And uh, yeah, just tell us a little bit about who you are.
1: Well, we have been married for twenty two years. Oh, wow. years we, uh, we actually met in when we were in high school. We met at youth group at church. We went to different schools, um, but met at church. I still remember the day. And we started dating our senior year. We went to homecoming and prom together. And then uh, we were apart for about a year, uh, when, which is when he moved up here to do anthem. And uh, I, yeah, he's got his anthem ring. And then I moved up uh, about... After you've been here for a year, and then we got married about a year after that. Yeah, and we've been here. Well, except for five years in LA, we've been here at Living Water since after high school. So, you want to talk about? Great. There we go. That's awesome. And we have four kids. kids. We have four kids. Yeah, our oldest, uh, Sam, is getting married this summer. (laughs) she's visiting him. He's sick. He's really sick. Aww. And then, um, <laughs> you can see who had the like, grace in the family, right? Yeah. Um, and then we have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old, three boys, and then a daughter who's 11, and she's, yeah. The cutest thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: He's, he's a sucker. Yeah. You know what that's I'm, like. I'm learning right now. Game over. Mm. Uh, okay, I'm going to ask you a, a couple quick ones before we, we dive into the ones that came in. I've got some personal ones. Um, how, what was the inspiration behind the beard? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a question nobody asked, but everybody wants to know. Oh. Yes. Beards
2: are in. Well, well, I've been wearing a, you know, stubble. Yeah. Wearing, absolutely. Ever since I, I, I've i always tried to compensate and keep balance and equity in my life. So when I cease being able to grow hair on top of my head, I just try to bring some equity <laughs> by bringing it down here. And then, was, um, I read a book about, uh, about, Are you serious? You. On.
0: Yeah. Keep going.
3: I
2: don't, think, I don't think it's funny. I think it's, I think it's great. Keep
3: going.
2: Oh, well, I was going to tell a joke. Um, it was in, October. It was in uh, September, October. And I thought, I wonder, because I have to I have to shave my, you know, the stubble like every third day otherwise it would get itchy. And I thought, if I don't, like, can I save some time? Yeah, right? And just let it grow. And then I don't have to shave. So now I shower, like, every other week.
1: <laughs>
2: it's fantastic. And
1: and uh, a plus is the stubbly beard hurts to kiss. This one's really nice.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, my next,
1: one, I think it next one.
2: It's either
0: either clean or more like this. i trying to be my girls like I feel like it's a it's, I like it's a really more I'm just, I'm just, The oil that drips from hair is good. just Oh, well, there is beard oil. I a
1: with like finding the right beard oil. <laughs>
2: It's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's not just oil, there's bombs and conditioners too. You to you. <laughs> oil, and on the humidity, you have to yeah. Well, I think it's sending your game to
0: another level, so I <clears throat> appreciate it. Uh, okay, we're going to jump, jump into these questions. we got some categories to help us kind of frame uh, some of these tonight, and we're just going to get right into it. First, first category is singleness. A lot of questions came in about me. Go ahead. Before you ask
2: a question, can you make a comment? Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, I, I want to pray for us because this is really a big deal to us. Vaughn and I have experienced so much joy in our relationship, but especially because of what we do, we've, we've walked with so many people who have experienced so much pain. Um, and it's just a big deal. And not everybody in here has gotten it right. Not everybody in here is going to get it right. Some of you are going to get it right, and somebody else is going to get it wrong, and you're going to feel the pain of that. And C.S. Lewis said one time that the only way you guard your heart from being broken is locking it in a box so that you can never really love or, or be loved. And so, you know, underneath everything we're going to talk about is this huge risk that every person longs to take to be to be fully known and fully loved in your most vulnerable state and ultimately that's what that's what marriage is is to be fully known body soul and spirit um uh, and fully loved and so it's a big deal to us how we care deeply we care deeply about you there's i mean not only do we just care about you because we we feel that that love for you um, because of our role as shepherds and pastors, but some of you are like our own kids to us. And so uh, we really want to do well for you tonight, to not just answer questions, but really speak to our hearts. So that's so that's so beyond our pay grade. We really need God's hope to help do that. And uh, so, so Father, Lord our Father in heaven, We know how much we have a glimpse of how much you love us and i pray that everything we say would reflect your word and your truth your love and your spirit and that lord you would help each and every one of us to come to that place of, of letting our walls down and then receiving the father's love and the father's word and the Father's truth to guide us and heal us and restore us and lead us forward from this day. So thank you so much for these brothers and sisters and these sons and daughters. And, um, Lord, have, have your way and please use these frail vessels uh, for your good purposes tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: Uh, first category here is singleness. The question is this, what if I'm single and I'm starting to get bitter? How do I address this
2: issue with scripture? Well, I'll tell you, uh, right off the bat, uh, you can be in any relational state and get bitter. Uh, So that's, that's, that's a big deal. And you can, be sing- you can be single and bitter, and bitter about your singleness, and then get into a relationship and still be bitter. Because bitterness is the one um, sin in the Bible that has a root. Which means that there's something that's exposed at the surface that you see, but then there's something that is underneath the surface that if it's not dealt with, it will keep producing fruit no matter how many times you deal with what's above the surface. And um, and I think in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, this is what it says about bitterness. It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace. Everybody say grace. 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 They, uh, to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. And I think that, that at the root of bitterness is, is a lack of grace, and, and I think, at, you know, another way you can look at that is, is grace is always a gift. And bitterness often takes residence in our heart when we don't get what we wanted or needed. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Sometimes it's, a, it's an offense or it's somebody hurts us. But even at the heart of that hurt is somebody that should have given us something Protection, honor, respect, love, and instead they took something, and that lack creates a wound, and then bitterness can fester. And so, the part of the antidote is the grace of God. But here's the thing: you can't receive grace when you hold on to bitterness. So at some point there has to be the recognition of where that pain, sorrow, hurt, offense happened, and then and then the recognition that only God's gift. And God's healing can, can bring restoration and, and healing. And um, so I think, uh, that's what I think. So if you're getting bitter because you're single, and if, that, if that's what the question is, and I'm single, I want to be in relationship, then what you're not getting that you want is that relationship. And you need to accept God's grace that it's actually God's grace for you in this season of your life. And and if you trust the Father that he's giving you what you need and not what you want, then then that bitterness will be actually can be replaced by gratitude. Yeah. And gratitude is one of the best defenses against bitterness. Yeah, good. So good.
0: Next question on the singleness topic. Does God keep some of us single
2: for longer than others for a reason? 's gonna keep my daughter single t- 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 single
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: I think I mean I think the question is does God have a plan for your life
3: yeah.
1: um, and I think even I mean I was thinking about this even with the bitterness question about you know being single and um, I think it comes down to accepting God's grace. You said something about God's character and knowing God. I think, I think when you're questioning God's plan for you, what God's doing in your life, questioning what's happening, um, rather than just try to not question why this is happening to me, I encourage you to, to seek out the character of God get to know who God is because you can't trust somebody that you don't know and and to trust that God has a good plan for you even if you don't totally fully understand it right now you you may not be able to answer the question why is this happening right now why am i still single but if you can start answering who is God what does his love look like who am i to him um, then trust begins to build and then no matter what it is that you're facing that, that is difficult or that you don't understand um, that trust, that peace comes really from knowing him not just getting an answer for why something's happening to you
2: I, One of the ways that I've seen this is you know, what you guys are thinking about is the singleness that can come on the other side Well, of a lot of things, you know, of broken relationships, or just—I'm thinking about my mom. And because she was, she and my dad were faithfully married for, I don't know, forty years probably. And then my dad died, and my mom is like rocking. She's like, she's still got a lot of life to live, and now she's single. And I remember one of the most meaningful, and impactful things that um, made me so proud was after about a year after my dad had passed away uh, from cancer, he, uh, she came to a, a woman's conference. And she, we talked about it after she got back from the conference, and she, said that, and she said, I've really been wondering, like, who am I since your dad died and all my life? You know, for the last 40 years, kids, moving around, all this, it's always been with him, and now I'm alone, and how do I, how do I navigate that? And so, she said, the Lord reminded her that when she was working, she worked for this, she worked for the guy that invented the pop-up app. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Talk about satanic influence. <laughs> So it was a pretty pretty successful marketing company and she was like client representatives and the party planner and she did all this stuff. But she said, what I'd love to do with that company was, was I, knew, I knew my boss's intentions for his employees and the kind of culture he wanted. And so I just had kind of an unlimited budget to do whatever I wanted to create that culture, make it feel appreciated and so forth. She said, I realized at this conference that I still have a job to do. But I know the character of my boss. And she said, now that I've moved into a different neighborhood, I'm just going to do the same thing and make sure everybody in that neighborhood knows how the boss feels about that.
3: Yeah. And so she just
2: does open houses, and she goes door to door and talks to people. and ha- I mean, it's amazing. So um, if, if you can get singleness right now, you're so far ahead of the game not just in this season of your life but but 50 years from now
0: so, uh, next category here, dating the question came in uh, a couple different times around this idea of missionary dating to define missionary dating the idea, of, in case you don't know what I'm talking about the idea of, of one person subscribing to the Christian faith, following Jesus and then pursuing somebody who doesn't, and then hoping that through their pursuit of that person that they would come to know Jesus. So missionary dating, the question is, is it of God
2: or a convincing lie of the enemy? Well, we'll have to see if i get saved. <laughs> You'll lie.
1: I know you have an answer to this, um, but I—I I mean, I just—I just cannot imagine. So, so much of who I am is my relationship with the Lord. Is who He says I am. Is my love for Him. It shapes what I do. It shapes how I see the world. It shapes my loves and my passions, um, and so to connect to the thought of connecting my heart and my life to somebody who does not share that with me, I can't. I just cannot imagine it would. To me, I think it would feel like two people holding hands and trying to go two opposite directions. Somebody, either you're going to go nowhere or somebody's going to go the direction they don't want to go. And and to assume that it's going to be, you know, the person you're trying to drag over to Jesus, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. Um, but I just, I mean, so, so much of our relationship is... The unity of understanding why we were put on this earth and the loves and the passions that we have that are so directly tied to the Lord—it'd um, be half our relationship would be missing if if one of us was not at that same place.
0: Yeah. Okay. that's a great answer. Can I ask us like a, a secondary question to that? Because I this isn't here, but. To some degree it is, I'll I'll rearrange it, Um, because I've heard a lot of people ask this. How do you navigate, or how would you encourage somebody to navigate the different degrees of maturity? So maybe somebody's a Christian, but they're not at the same level of maturity as you. People ask questions like, how much does this person need to be, where do they need to be at in their relationship with Jesus before they're ready if I feel like I'm the one. Does, so, does that kind of make sense? What, How would you guys counsel somebody who's like, I want to pursue them, but I don't know if they're at the same maturity level?
2: I think my answer to this has changed over the years. Um, and, and this is what I would say. That is such a contextualized question. You know, I mean, there's so much... You could be raised in a family to be incredibly disciplined and um, have have integrity and, but not have faith. But you have a character that's trustable. And that person comes to Christ. Um, they're in a different place when it comes to how much you can trust them than somebody that that has come from a place where they've always had to lie or cheat and steal just to survive, and then that person comes to Christ, and your your their their trustability is very different. So, what I mean, those are radical, those are extreme examples, because I think there is no simple answer, and the Bible is not just a book about simple answers. Have you noticed that? <laughs> But integral to the Bible is this idea of, of being a part of a faith community, having fathers and mothers in the faith, mm-hmm. having shepherds and elders in your life, having yeah. mothers and fathers speaking into your life. Yeah. And so, listen, it, you, you, yeah, if, if you're serious and with somebody and you mm-hmm. want to get married and you do premarital counseling, I, I've seen people do all this stuff, but still there were secrets in their hearts and there were things that they withheld in their heart. So... All of that to say, if you're having to ask this question, that's probably more the Holy Spirit saying pause than you realize. And what I would encourage you to do is ask the question, like who are the fathers and mothers in your life? Mm -hmm. Who are the people that are 10, 15, 20 years older than you are that really know you that you could go to and say, "Help me think about this." Well,
3: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: and and my hope for this church is that it's not just a place where people come and sit and try to get an easy answer on Sunday, but that it's a place where they really find authentic relationships and mothers and fathers in the faith, and that there's this community. Because I've grown more by being a part of my life group where there are authentic relationships and we really know each other's stuff and walking through the seasons of life than just by coming to somebody and asking for an answer about the question. So, what I would encourage you is, number one, if you're asking the question, pause, and if you can't say, here are the fathers and mothers in my life that I can really process and dialogue this with, then that ought to be one of the next things that you start to pray and search out uh, for your life. Because that's going to benefit you innumerably, both on this side and on that side of the wedding aisle. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Yes.
0: More personal to both of you, how did you know that y'all were the, the one for each other? Like, How did you know, okay, it's time to turn the corner from
1: <laughs>
0: Friendship to wife. Friendship to husband. It
1: huh. it was a little it was a little bit at a time. It <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um. Now there was a moment where like the angels were singing. We where literally it was there was this moment. <laughs> There was a moment where suddenly, like, it was like suddenly the blind could see and this friend of mine that was just a friend that I was not interested in suddenly looked like the most incredible guy I'd ever seen. I, I'm not kidding. There was a moment that that happened. And, um, but,
0: but. Did he have a beard?
3: <laughs>
1: no. No. Um, <laughs> yeah same amount of hair it was just up there um, yeah. but, <laughs> so there was definitely a moment where suddenly I was attracted and wanted to be in a relationship with him um, but, but as far as like do I know he's the one it was, it was little by little Um, It was, this guy is amazing. He is the kind of guy that I want to marry. And then I remember, it was actually Wes's mom and dad. We were at their house, um, pre-Wesley, at their house um, (laughs) dating. And, And Tim looked at us. We'd been dating for a couple months. And he said, hey, you guys. Now, listen, we were 17, I think, at the time. And he said, What are you guys doing? Do like, is this the kind of person you want to marry? Do you guys want to get married? And we were like.
3: (laughs) We're 17!
1: (laughs) And and we were just kind of, we were like, uh, uh, and uh, and he said, figure it out. If this is not the kind of person you could see yourself spending the rest of your life with, what are you doing? Just, you guys are good friends, just be friends. If this is the kind of person you could see yourself with, then tell me and I'll help you. And so we took about a week and didn't talk, came back and went to Tim and said, yeah, we we could, yeah, I would like to marry a guy like this. And then he became, I mean, they, his parents were a part of our relationship in a major way. Like, got in the middle of it when we didn't want him to be, you know, confronted us on things that we didn't want him to be, you know, knowing about, talking to us about. Um, But, but, and, and then it was there, little by little, it was also a year apart, three months of not talking to each other, where I thought, Maybe we had lost the relationship that it was over. And and all of those those moments of of asking the Lord, not assuming I knew what the answer was, that he was the one and I'm gonna make him the one and I don't care what the Lord says, but listening to the people in my life who I've given a like a voice to speak into, um, Having that time where I didn't know if maybe the relationship was lost, and really asking the Lord, Is this of you? And if it's of you, then I'm going to trust you and I'm not going to be afraid. Um, and then when the Lord brought the relationship back, I mean, it was just little by little asking the Lord, trusting, letting go when He asked us to let go, um, being willing to say yes to follow the things the Lord had asked us to do, even though it meant being apart from each other for an extended period of time. Those were all pieces of of getting me to the point where I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew.
0: How do you uh, kind of tag to that? I think a lot of people in here would want to have a thought or two about What's, what's helpful for kind of knowing when around the corner from just, we're good friends so beyond just like we're, we're already dating or we're already into each other we know we need to get married but there's friendships in here where people are, are wondering when when should I move this when how do I know I should move this thing from friendship to relationship or make the ask
2: it, uh, that's a great question and the I think with that, with the deeper question in my mind is, how do you, how do you follow God? I mean, that's the question, is how do you know what the will of God is for your life? Because getting married is one of a million decisions that you'll make that are going to have one source uh, ramifications. If you did it on your own, and another set of ramifications if you did it trusting the Lord. And so I think that you know that question of um is really about how do I hear from the Lord? And if you don't know, that ought to be your highest pursuit before you pursue is this the right person for me? Like I want to learn how to hear from the Lord. Um, and you can, and you don't have to be twenty eight years old to, to learn how to hear from the Lord. You don't have to have to agree. You don't have to have the whole Bible memorized. You can learn to discern and to hear and to follow the Lord. And this is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion is that God wants to be actively and intimately involved in your day-to-day life. (laughs) Leading you, walking you, engaging with you. That you can have a naturally supernatural life uh, because of his love and grace and gift for you, so that's what, man, that's what I would want you to be asking, because when you start to dial into that, then you'll figure this out, and one of the reasons that I was so uh, enthralled with her was she had committed to go on the mission field for two years after she graduated from high school, so her plan was I graduate high school, I work for a year, and then I go to, the, uh, to Micronesia for two years. And so she had committed to do that, but as we dialogued, like falling in love, and we want to be married, we always it was always subject to if you believe that that's what God said to you, then that has to take the highest priority. And so we can talk about getting married four years from now. I mean that's kind of, that was our thinking, because if we weren't hearing from God, then we were in trouble. And I I just want to reiterate you can you can hear from God. And you're, there are people in this room that are walking that out and living that out. And that, uh, I just encourage you to pursue that and make that a priority because you can. And um, you'll, never, uh, you'll never regret that investment to understand what that means. Next category here is gender roles in pursuit
0: in relationships. I
3: heard
0: that. Um, I'll ask this one. I'll ask this one, and if you want to just take it and maybe speak more more than just a question. But the question is, do I need to wait for a guy to be able to lead me spiritually before it's the right time for us to be in a relationship?
2: Hell
3: yes.
2: Yes. And I would ask until there was a woman that was able to lead you spiritually before you her. because because if you can't you, you can't lead somebody else until you can lead yourself and if you can't lead yourself you're not ready to be in a relationship and and there are strengths that she possesses that are different strengths that I have and and this whole idea that is uh, so I'll, I'll let you ask questions but Yes, you should wait until they can lead you. And the way you can tell if they can lead you is they are leading themselves.
3: Yeah.
2: It's <laughs> good. Yeah, that's good. yeah that's good. It's okay. <laughs> you guys have feelings about that? Yeah. yeah. I have strong feelings for yeah. It's yeah. good. It's good. Uh,
0: 20 years ago, a guy opening a door for a girl would. Have been a pretty maybe 2025 whatever more like universally a a a society's sign of chivalry or whatever that kind of idea. Um, When it comes to relationships in our generation in society, now we see maybe a little bit of uh, something shifting in the landscape of what it looks like to have a guy pursue and initiate, and that there be an expectation of a guy initiating, pursuing, asking, paying for, opening, whatever that might be. Like we're in different generations, it wasn't even a question or a thought. What, I know I'm kind of painting a broad picture, but that's a legitimate question that I get a lot from, from, from young men and young women about what it looks like to healthily be in that world now. Can I, as a guy, still pursue and it not be received as overextending my strength? And a girl being like, as a girl, can I pursue? And it not be a sign of me being overbearing or over dominating or whatever. <coughs> Just can you speak to that? Because it's it's, it's in our culture. And uh, and I know questions come out of that in that way. Do you have any thoughts about that? <coughs> First, oh.
2: no, no, no. So first of all, so much of those ideals came from a class system, and they came from when people got rich and wealthy enough. Okay, I'm getting there. I'm gonna take a long route so that I can confuse everybody enough that they'll just think I'm smart but won't about. But there used to be a day and age where where you represented your family, and that's where you learned behaviors as people got more wealthy and more mobile, then there were these classes of people. So all this chivalry and this European modesty and all of that that created these, this is how a man treats a woman and a woman treats a man, was all born out of uh, connecting to a class in society and, and then creating these roles around those class that you were assigned to. So when it comes to... Opening doors, and is some of that a remnant of what is a really broken, um, sexist, misogynistic, but it wasn't just misogynistic, it was racist. And it, I mean, to people with disabilities, there's so many ways that that comes from a place that's really broken. Okay, but is servant leadership bigger? Than that is kindness bigger than that I'm going to open the door for the woman behind me, I'm going to open the door for the man behind me, I'm going to hold the door for the child behind me, I'm going to hold the door for the zebra behind me I'm going to hold the door open because, because kindness is a spiritual discipline because I want to represent heaven on earth, so I'm going to hold the door open for whoever and however many people are coming behind me because because that kindness is a sacrament. It, it's it's my expression of worship to God. So of course I'm going to do that. Um, I, wa- I got off the train on Tuesday, and there was an older lady there, and it was a long walk to the station. She wouldn't let me carry her bag, so I just walked with her and talked to her until she got to whoever was picking her up. Why? Because... I want to do under others as I would have them do under me and show kindness, respect my elder, all of that stuff. So, um, women, I think you should hold the door open for whoever is behind you. Yes, and I think that if you're with a guy and you're both coming to a door, I think you should run to be the first one to open it because you should try to outdo one another and show them what i <laughs> I think that solves the problem. And and if somebody is offended by that, then I do not need to make a point of it. I can just go in and get my coffee and walk out. You know what I mean? You don't have to um, prove your kindness by, uh, by, by some barbaric attempt to impose kindness on somebody who doesn't want to receive your kindness. Just move on. Just move on. But I'll tell you what, if you aren't in a relationship, I'm not talking romantic relationship, any relationship, if, if there's not a desire to be a servant, to consider others as better than yourself, then it's not a societal issue. You have a spiritual problem because you don't fully understand the heart of God. I had somebody in my office today, and and they just they just fell apart because they're, Gifted, talented, successful, powerful, and and what they were, what what being in this environment for the last year is finally breaking through to them is that here it is, this person would run into the middle of a firefight to save somebody else at their own expense, literally. But when they got in trouble, they could only protect themselves because they didn't believe that anybody including God loved them enough to express that love in the way they loved others and as it is becoming real to them, by people loving them and showing kindness to them, it's undoing all of this brokenness and trauma that they've experienced because as a young child, they weren't protected, they weren't loved and now God's healing and restoring them because people are loving them being kind to them the stuff works, this Christianity stuff it really works yeah, <laughs> did that yeah, yeah totally that's great did that answer the question Because I uh, <clears throat> wasn't trying to dodge the question
3: that's
2: good, no, it's good. Okay.
1: I actually I had somebody ask me if I was offended when you try to help me down off the platform like on Sunday morning Because you don't do it when you know Chase walks down the platform. And, uh, um, And I had to I had to think about it because you know there was I knew behind the question was you know are you offended because does it you know put you in a place me in a place where. John is belittling you that you aren't strong enough and capable enough to make it down the platform by yourself. Um, and so I had to think about that. Uh, and my honest to goodness answer was no. That doesn't offend me because I know his heart. His heart is he just loves me and cares about me, and he was he's being well. So I guess that means he doesn't love you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's
2: cool. If Chase had a propensity to wear high heels... It's getting weirder and weirder. (laughs) I probably would help him down the stairs. I mean, I would help an old guy down the stairs. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Now, I'm not comparing you to an old guy.
1: No, no. Wearing heels on the stairs is no, a saying. real thing. Life is dangerous. And
2: so I then, as, anyway. as a father in this house, as a father in this house, then I just make that a way that we do things.
3: Yeah.
2: Because, listen, um, the things you celebrate, the things that you enshrine, the things that become habits and traditions, mm-hmm. um, produ- um Communicate your values, right? So like, Saturday breakfast is a value for our family. But you could be mistaken and think it's a value because we love pancakes. (laughs) You could think that holding a woman's hand on the steps is because we think women are weak and fragile. But, but we don't do Saturday breakfast because we love pancakes. We we do we value Saturday breakfast because we value connection as a family yeah. and having an altar where we know, our kids know, every week mom and dad are breaking down doors, flying home overnight, whatever, so we can be there for Saturday morning. Yeah. And so we, we help our ladies and anybody that might be wobbly down the steps because we're kind. Yeah. Because we prefer one another. Yeah. And because women are much more... Likely to be vain and wear uncomfortable shoes. So it's not fragility. It's vanity. Really.
1: His mother bought me almost all the shoes at home, so I got it from somewhere great. A couple more here. I
2: appreciate the question, because like any tradition, it can be misconstrued, and so it's important to get to the heart, it's important to understand why, so that's a good question, I never thought about talking about it to the church, but if anybody asks you, you can tell them, women are vain, so we have are we recording?
0: out the part we like yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple more questions here and i want to these came in a lot so that's that's why i wanted to i want to make sure we hit them. um uh, this one's about the, the the concept of of lust porn porn and, and, and lust it says this in my fight and struggle with porn and lust should i wait until i'm not struggling anymore before pursuing any kind
2: of relationship Well, I, I think you have to define struggle, because man, if you're struggling, I'm like, we'd go. Most people aren't even struggling; they're just given in. You are in the minority, and in my mind, you're in the upper echelon if you're struggling. And I'd say, more power to you. Keep struggling. Now, now, how you struggle matters, but but. First, I want to commend you that you're struggling.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, here, here's, here's what I, I thought about, because it's a great question. Um, here's where I would land. It's um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 says, The desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want to do. And, and one of the works of the flesh, the expressions of the flesh. Remember, the flesh is the part of you that is only motivated by by self-preservation and self-rule. That's the flesh. It's the Adam and Eve part of you that wants to be better than God. Okay. So um, it's not that you have a craving, by the way, because the the craving like. The desire for sex is not the flesh. How you steward that is dictated either by the flesh or the spirit. The desire for sex is holy. God put it there. If you were homeschooled that may shock you. <laughs> desire for sex is like the desire for food. The desire for water. The desire for air. It's inborn. God created that. And when it's stewarded well, it is very good. Body, soul, and spirit. holistic. So what I would say to you is that Um, licentiousness, pornea, is one of the Greek words that speaks to it's pornography, it's sex outside of marriage, that that's that's the expression of the flesh, the works of the flesh. And so, here's what I would say to you. It's, It's the desires of the flesh that raise war against the desires of the spirit. So, if you're struggling, great. But if your flesh is always dominating your spirit then you're probably not in a place where you want to invite somebody else that you want to cherish and treasure on a ride that you've already determined is headed in a direction of pain I mean doesn't that seem like the loving thing to do um But, gosh, there could be a lot of reasons. Anger, eating disorders, um, other addictions. I mean, any of those are things that just, if you love somebody, you want to be able to walk in the Spirit. Because, by the way, the fruit of the Spirit is Love. love. So if you want to love somebody, you want to be able to walk in the Spirit and not be dominated by your flesh. And by the way, uh, this is this is a place where there are there are people that'll help you do that. You you can get free. Yes, right. And there is a, there is more joy in freedom than there is even pleasure in those temptations and addictions. Yeah. Yeah. And then what I want for you is joy.
3: Yeah.
2: I want I want that that I mean we can go, we can uh, this recording? Can you pause the recording? This for a second? Is it paused? None of my kids are here, right? Okay. And so, but here's what I'm getting at. And then, and then our kids came home. Like these, these people that we love, love, love and cherish so much. And we, we got to experience all of that joy, and then in the presence of people we love more than anybody, there was no shame, no guilt. It was just more joy. So good. So good. So good. Good. Yeah. And that's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you.
3: Yeah.
2: And that's what He will give to you when you trust Him with your life.
3: <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's go. Let's go. I love it. Come on, somebody. Oh,
3: <laughs> Lord, <laughs> no <one> help me.
2: <laughs> I mean, like, the, when Vaughn said, I give Andrew some money because he's going to go to a movie, they'll be gone for a couple hours. I was like,
1: you i said
2: it just like that. champion of the world.
1: That's so great. Now her movie's gonna be like, the next time our kids go to a movie, nobody's gonna
0: be to like think about things You sit in the movie theater, you see <laughs> Andrew, Sam, Levi, and Chris sitting Oh, gosh. I hope you catch
2: though. So. Talking about having great sex. You can have great sex and not be married. Right. But the joy is Wow. Our kids are gonna be home when we get home tonight.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: last, last question last question here and, and if there's anything you would want to say to this community of young young girls uh, and then we will, we will respond to more questions next week so just, just don't, don't worry but here's, here's the last question uh, for the night in my experience the church hasn't been a place that feels safe to be honest with my sexual failures and mistakes maybe better said I feel like if I were to be honest about what I've done or what's happened in my relationship I'd be kicked out at least that's what, I, that's what seems like has happened with people in leadership at times when things come into light so there's no question here but the statement uh, how would you guys
2: respond um, the first thing I would say to you is I'm sorry that that a leader, somebody in the church, made you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if they intended to or not, but that's your reality, and that breaks my heart. Um. Now, secondly, I wanna I wanna talk like a dad. Can I talk like a dad? I don't know any of my kids that I was disciplining because I loved them. That went, and dad. That that really taught me a lesson that I know I'm gonna benefit down the road. So thank you for causing me that discomfort or taking away something that I wanted because I know in the long run that's the best decision for me. I haven't quite had that moment with my kids yet. And so so the other thing I have to say to you is you need to be careful that you didn't Run away from God's discipline because it hurt I hope you hear the sincerity of both of those statements because the Bible says that God chastens he disciplines those that he loves and I know that one of the one of the difficult challenges I mean it's complicated being a part of a family of six people and I know for us, one of the challenges is how do you do church with thousands of people, but really treat people like family? Because you think you have a dysfunctional family, you just see the people I'm looking at on Saturday morning. There's some dysfunction going on, but but family says we're going to enter into that dysfunction together and and walk towards Jesus. So it's really hard. It's re- It's just really. Hard to navigate that with grace and truth, and understanding everybody's story, and um, and and all. But what I will tell you is that Jesus made it really clear. I'll say this: Jesus made it really clear in Luke chapter nine, verse twenty-three. He said, "If if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross daily." And anybody who saves his life will lose it and anybody who loses his life for my sake save it and so part of following Jesus means you're going to encounter moments where you're dying your comfort your pride your sense of I mean it's dying but the gospel says that that is the only way to live the resurrected life and um, I hope that we can operate with enough relationships that when, the, when those moments come, this is what I want to say to people, okay? Wesley, I love you. We have, our relationship goes back. So I'm going to pick on you. not personally, I'm just going to talk to you about things that aren't really you, but I just want you and everybody else to know that I'm, this isn't true. And I'm making this up as I go anyway. (laughs) But there may be times where I need to say to Wesley, Wesley, you're wrong. And that was shameful. (coughs) Because that's not who we are. But I also want you to know that I love you regardless. And I'm speaking this truth into your life saying, come close to me. And and be who you are, not that facade that I know isn't the truth of who you believe that you are or who we are in community. So I'm calling you back to that because that is your identity in Christ versus you're wrong and if you don't shape up, I'm drawing a line in the sand, you're over there when you behave like that and I'm over here. Because when it feels like that, we've missed the gospel. The gospel says there's no line. We're together, but I love you too much to say that it's okay for you to live on that side of the line. We just gotta do better at that. We gotta do better. And as you are young, you are most of you are young. You need to feel discipline. It's the only way you grow up. There are plenty of people who get older and they never grow up. And they're, they're idiots. And they're dangerous. But I don't want you to just get older, I want you to grow up. And when I look around and I see people with scars because they failed and yet they haven't run away, I go, something special in that one.
0: Any any final thoughts, closing thoughts for the group?
2: I just feel like there's conviction in the room and the one person that's leaving is probably... Psalm 27 and it simply says this one thing everybody say one one thing one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple and I, I pray that you would find that joy of a singular pursuit to be able to say, my life is about one thing, to know him, to live in his house and his presence, and to meditate on his beauty. I'm telling you, when that becomes your single desire, all these other questions, all these other wounds, all this other stuff. Begins to fall in place, and one thing that's different about your generation than our generation, even though we're only 20 years apart, which goes like that, by the way, is that you're growing up. Just, just the world that you're growing up in is like growing up in a dryer. You know, you just get banged up, banged up, banged up, banged up, banged up, and there are so many, so many fewer safe places because of because of the technology that, that invades every every quiet space you can find, because of the access, because of mobility, how many times you move, all that stuff is really different. All the more reason that it is important for you to know that God inhabits the praises of his people.
3: And I don't think that that means that
2: Praise and worship takes you to heaven, I think that it means it brings heaven to earth. <laughs> and so when you begin to live in that, the, that one thing that I've desired and, and learn to live a life of worship, it brings that safe place to where you are because that's where he is. Mm-hmm. And you're, you need that in your generation more than anything else. And so I pray, I mean, if, if Living Water is your church, a year, two, five, ten years from now, I pray that you would say, somebody says, what's living water all about? Man, I, this is what I know, that, that when I was a part of that church, I knew what it meant to be in the presence of God.
1: You're so good at
3: that.
1: <laughs> Serious. I told him tonight, I said, that I love getting to watch you, hear you do this kind of thing, because, because you are made for this. You're, you're good at
3: this. I
1: love it. I love you. Um, one thing that I would want to say, I mean, now this might sound funny to some of the boys, but um, I would want to say what I would say to my my girl every night when I put her to bed. Um, I would want you to really know and understand that you're loved, that you're lovely. That you're wanted. And that you are valuable. And the stuff of relationships tears those things down in us. The hurts, the pain, the disappointments. It, it's not just about, oh, I had a relationship and someone broke up with me. It's like, it, it injures your your identity. How you see who you are and your value. Um, So I just wanna remind you who you are. You're loved. You are lovely, you are wanted, and you are valuable. And if you're not sure if you believe that yet, then you find one of these incredible leaders and you tell them that you need help believing that about who you are. And they will.
2: Can, can all the ladies stand up? I want to say to you, as a father, on behalf of fathers, that you are loved. That you are a treasure. That you're beautiful. And that you were created just the way you are on purpose. You're mighty and powerful. And there is a profound purpose that you were designed for and don't ever settle for second best because you deserve the best the guy standing guys you are not a
3: failure
2: and hear me Of the Lord than you are in your own. You are created for a purpose, and you are competent, honorable, and prepared for what God has in store for you. You are made to leave the people and places that you encounter better than the way you found them. So don't ever shortchange yourself on what God can do in and through your life or settle for second best. You were made to do the hard stuff and leave a legacy that is greater than even the one your father left. Don't ever forget it. Now everybody stand up. Thanks for giving us the honor of sharing and speaking into your life. And um, God really does have so much for each and every one of you. Don't settle. It's worth it. It's so worth it. And may the joy of the Lord fill your life like you've never known before in the days ahead. In Jesus' name. (laughs) will you help me thank these guys